These days, it's nice to know what you're getting. Like the same, mmm, when you tuck into our tasty breakfast. The same, yes, when your kids stay and eat breakfast for free. The same, woo, knowing there are over 800 hotels. And the same, ah, every time you sink into one of our super comfy beds. Enjoy the same feeling whatever the trip. Premier Inn. Rest easy. Only available to book at premierinn.com. T's and C's apply. Up to two kids stay and eat breakfast free with a full paying adult. Welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. I'm Larry Kruger. That is Ryan Smith. And the 49ers are now 3-2 and two, heading into week six after a 37-15 shellacking of the uh, Carolina Panthers. And I guess my primary takeaway was this was the game that, you know, they won, but it was painful because of injuries. They lose Nick Bosa. Uh, they lose Robbie Gold. They lose Jimmy Ward. Um, all short-term, but then they lose Emmanuel Mosley for the season. So that was the big takeaway. On the field, I think the 49ers have kind of found their way. Jimmy Garoppolo has now found a rhythm. He's not turning it over. And, you know, we talked about making plays, but a lot of times for the for Garoppolo and the 49ers, it's really when you have a defense that's as good as the Niner defense is right now, um, it's really about – avoiding negative plays. And if you look at this thing, uh, the 49ers, you know, Garoppolo had no major, no turnovers and he was barely touched. I think they got one hit on him, maybe two. I think Burns got a sack. Yeah, they got one sack and a couple hits on him all day. So the 49er offensive line did a really, really nice job. Uh, the Niners outrushed Carolina 153 to 64. So they in the Niner defense dominated six sacks, nine hits on the quarterback, a pick six, seven tackles for a loss. That interception, Greenlaw leading the way with 11 tackles. So overall, big day for Jeff Wilson. Wilson had 17 carries for 120 yards. Uh, this they're doing this with Jalen Moore at left tackle and a very young, uh, you know, offensive line. So you got Jalen Moore at left tackle, you've got Aaron Banks at left guard, you've got Jake Brendel at center, and you got Spencer Burford at right guard. Really, Mike McGlinchey is the only established veteran on their offensive line, and yet their offensive line against a really good Panther D-line. Um, that includes, you know, the great Brian Burns coming off the edge and Derek Brown. Um, they held those guys in check. So I think overall you'd have to say really good day for the 49ers. A uh, really good day for Tevin Coleman, who helped the 49ers as a runner and as a receiver. So overall, they, you know, we've seen the Niners establish their recipe or their formula, if you will, for winning games. It's, it's run the ball a lot uh, or short pass it a lot. Don't take a lot of sh- chances with the ball offensively on offense. Don't turn it over and roll your defense out there and let them operate. And that's really that's really how the 49ers are going to win games against a lot of teams this year. They don't need to take chances. They just need to avoid huge negative plays. In the last two weeks, they've been really good at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's just such a bummer because this, this felt like the first game where they put it all together. And the defense, of course, was always as great as always. The offense finally, you know, showed life throughout the whole game. Um, it's just such a bummer about the injuries. And I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but, you know, Nick Bosa, 
I'd say of the injuries, obviously, Bosa is the most important. I'm not terribly worried about the groin. You know, it, it seems like maybe they, they knew it was turf and, you know, they were already kind of beating the heck out of him. So, you know, took him out of the game. Mosley is a real bummer. I mean, what what do you think? Who do you think replaces Mosley? Because as of now, it's like, you know, you can't throw to either side. Now it seems like they're just going to stay away. All the other teams are just going to stay away from Charvarius Ward and throw to the other side. Do you kick Lenore out? Do you keep Lenore in and maybe kick out Womack? Because Womack played outside in college. He's a little faster. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think they're fortified. I mean, they've got Dante Johnson, who's a veteran who they like and trust on the practice squad, so they could call him up. He can play outside. He can play the slot. He can play safety. They also have Womack, who is physically exactly what you want. Uh, my guess is is that maybe Womack moves into the slot and Lenore moves outside. But you also have Ambry Thomas, if you want to use Ambry Thomas. And they have Jason Verrett, who's a – Pro Bowl caliber corner if he's healthy. And I don't know that he's going to be healthy this week, but eventually he's going to be healthy. Um, the great news for the 49ers is, you know, their defense, you know, posted six sacks this week, seven sacks last week. I mean, you got to go back to the first two weeks of the 1985 season, nearly 40 years ago. The time that was the last time the 49ers had back to back games with six or more sacks. So they're getting the done up front. They're as good as anybody on that second level at linebacker. And they're fortified with a lot of bodies. Nobody's Mosley, but um, so it's a loss, but um, it's not a crushing defeat because they do have depth there. Yeah. I, it's just, you know, we've spent so much time talking about this, this 49ers defense and how it's like this is an all time defense. Well, this is the first time where I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. I think it may all of a sudden have some leaks because it's just like, I mean, I know D'Amico is fantastic and this defense is deep everywhere, but like how many, I mean, we Niners were missing Armstead. They were missing Kinlaw. They still stopped the run, but now if they don't have Bosa, like imagine they don't have Bosa, Kinlaw or Armstead and then Jimmy Ward's now out. Um, and then it seems like that corner position is some, is a place that, you know, when they play the chiefs fast forward two weeks, um, you know, Patty Mahomes and the boys are going to be picking on that side. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my only concern with the defense, but overall, you know, what, what would be really cool to see is this offense continue to roll and kind of pick up the defense because the defense has been picking up the offense. I mean, even in this game, uh, the, the Panthers were, were within reach and then Mosley gets the pick six and that kind of ends the game. I feel like, uh, puts it out of reach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. The D Niners look like world beaters. The rest of the NFC is crumbling apart. Um, and they're in a really good spot. It's just, geez, man, just gotta stay healthy. Uh, it's starting to be one of those things where as they, you know, as I'm watching these plays, it's like it's a physical game. It's football. But I'm like wincing like, oh, no, no. Did he get hurt? Oh, I hope he didn't get hurt. So, yeah, I just they, the boys got to stay healthy. I What do you say about re resting Nick Bosa uh, in Atlanta? I would. Yeah. Why not? You're stacked. You know, you got Drake Jackson. You got you got other guys. You got a Menahue. Um, You got guys in the practice squad you could lean on. You probably can beat the Falcons without Bosa. But, yeah, I mean, week one, they lose Elijah Mitchell. Week two, they lost Trey Lance. Week three, they lost Trent Williams. Week four, they lose Armstead and Kinlaw for the short term. 
And then this week they lose Bosa and Mosley, Mosley for the long term, Bosa for the short term. Um, you know, Bosa, Mosley, Kinlaw, Armstead, all on the defensive side. But I will say this: if this is going, this might make Niner fans feel better. This is where the 49ers rank in these defensive categories: points allowed in the NFL first, yards per game allowed in the NFL first. Yards per play allowed in the NFL first rush yards per game first passing touchdowns allowed first sacks first first towns a game first. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and they're tied with the Eagles with uh, in point differential. Yeah, plus so, 47. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sensing a trend. The defense is pretty good. They're really, really deep. You know, that's the thing. The, the one thing about the NFL and the one thing about football is injuries are coming. So all you can do is fortify yourself and be as deep as possible. The Rams have an incredible first-team defense, but their their backups aren't any good. So as guys go down, they start to get worse. And this is kind of a consistent theme across the league. Um, as your injuries start to mount, you start to be a little bit depleted and you're not quite the team that you were. Um, but that's true for everybody, for the most part. The 49ers do seem like they have their more than their fair share of injuries, but they also have a tremendously deep roster. And they're used to it. They're, they're used, used to it, by yeah. now. And But they have a really, really deep roster. There's a couple spots they're thin, but for the most part, you know, they're pretty stacked in a lot of spots. So I think they should be able to withstand this. Um, will they, you know, r- you know, will they run the table? Certainly not. Will they crush the Chiefs in a couple weeks? Who knows? But when you take out Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson, um, I think even if you show up without Nick Bosa uh, on Sunday, you can beat the Falcons. Yeah, it'd be fine. And then, you know, last thing before we uh, move on to our next segment, uh, you know, anything on offense really stick out to you? I mean, other than I'm going to keep saying it like Jimmy G is like an offensive lineman. You know, if, you, if you're not really talking about him that much after the win, uh, that means he did a great job. Uh, I thought he he had some phenomenal throws. I thought he kind of set. I thought that Jimmy G, Jawan Jennings and Jeff Wilson really set the tone in terms of toughness in this game. Uh, man, Jennings is just a beast on third down and Jeff Wilson just so tough. And Jimmy, you know, give him credit. He hung in there and took some massive hits and still delivered the ball um and so yeah anything really stick out to you on offense kittle they got kittle involved early not really much debo well no jc horn you know was all over debo and then debo had two or three drops it wasn't a great afternoon for debo and it was a homecoming because he's from inman south carolina which is about 80 miles away from charlotte and so i'm sure and he had a big contingent of guest passes and tickets that he bought i think he's someone said he had over 50 people on his pass list so, you know, maybe he's trying a little hard. Maybe the Panthers put J.C. Horn on him, and Horn is a former first-round pick, also a South Carolina teammate of Debo's. And Horn took him away a little bit, and then Horn went out with the injury. The Niners featured Debo a little bit more in the second half, but he had a couple drops. Um, I would say the thing that's impressive to me about the 49ers, one, it's Garoppolo is minimizing the the huge negative plays. That's one. And, you know, two, they've – they um, they have a line that, you know, last year, uh, you know, they didn't have the kind of quality depth that they have this year. 
Uh, Jalen Moore was a younger player last year. I thought he played pretty well. He got burned for a sack by Burns on one of those plays. It's gonna happen. But on on Jeff Wilson's longest run, he caved in the defensive right side of the Panthers' defense, and Wilson ran right off his backside. So I like what I'm seeing out of the young offensive linemen, Burford, Jalen Moore, specifically Aaron Banks. Um, and to me, that's really exciting because I think you got three guys there that can start for a decade. Um, and I'm impressed with how little drop-off there was offensively taking out a key piece like Trent Williams. Trent Williams, I think most people would say, is the best offensive tackle in pro football, maybe one of the best actual players in all of pro football. They took him out, and they went on the road, and they didn't miss a beat, uh, and it's because they got quality depth on the O-line, and Jalen Moore is 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 going to have some he's – not, he's not Trent, but um, he's also not a stiff – so I, I, to me, if there's one thing that kind of is impressive, it's that in two weeks, Shanahan has gotten his team back into an offensive rhythm. They now have kind of their, their blueprint for how they win games. And Jimmy's taking care of the football, and the young O-line's coming together. So um, to me, those are the factors that stick out the most. Yeah, last thing I'll say, you know, no three and outs. They were seven of eight on third down, and one of those was a dropped by Ayuk. So that you know, that's just great execution against a Panthers team that kind of gets a bad rap. I actually think that they're not a bad team at all. Um, you know, they had a lot of close losses, and their defense is legit. All right. Well, moving on. Now we're going to get into a segment I thought up uh, because I feel like the theme of maybe five weeks through the season is what the heck is going on with the quarterback play. The quarterback play from all these brand name guys, Russell Will, you know, we, we really saw it this weekend, Russell Wilson, Stafford, even Aaron Rodgers in London. Um, it's like, what the heck is going on? And then you got these guys, Cooper Rush, Geno Smith. It's just crazy. So I have a little bit of a, uh, you know, there's no perfect stat out there for quarterbacks, but um, the, the one that I kind of came up with that I was monitoring this year. So last year, um, if you, if you take QBR, and you combine it like 50% QBR, 50% PFF. Okay, QBR, you know, obviously it doesn't tell the whole tale. It's stats. PFF also doesn't tell the whole story. But, I mean, at least it's like people watching the tape. So this was, for example, last year's rankings, 2021, if you combine the both of them. Sounds pretty right. Brady, Rogers, Herbert, Allen, Stafford, Burrow, Mahomes, Cousins, Murray, Tannehill, Dak, Mac Jones, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, Jimmy G, Bridgewater. Okay, that's the first. That's just eighteen from last year. So you're like, okay, that makes sense. Those are those are all like the good quarterbacks. Maybe you could mix them around a little bit. Well, I wanted to see. I, I so I put this together for this year. I, I wanted Larry to give me who he thinks is in the top ten, and I want to see how many he can get. My guess is, my guess is he gets six out of ten. Normally, this is a pretty easy exercise, but this year it's so crazy. Okay. Um, there's no doubt Jalen Hurts is in there. Ding, ding, ding. He's for sure in there. Josh he, Allen is for sure in there. Ding. So that Josh Allen is one. Jalen Hurts is six. Ding, ding. Um, I would say Tua Tagovailoa was in there. Tua is in there. Number four. Ding, ding. Um, Mahomes. Mahomes is absolutely in there. Three. What is that? Are you four for four? Four for four. Four, four for four. four. Okay. 
Um, who else is in there that's playing at a high level? Um, hmm. um, Stafford? Stafford is number 22. Okay, so what am I guessing? The top how many? Top 10. Okay. Um, let me see. Who else would I here, go for? You know what? I'll help you out here by um, – I'll fold this paper in half, and here you can see these are last year's rankings. Well, I don't, I don't oh. know. I, I, can, I can go with it. I, I should just see a list of the teams here. Um, okay. Uh, I would say um, – Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush is in there. Okay. He's number nine. Daniel Jones? I like the I like the pick. Daniel Jones is 15, but you're you're on the right track. Okay. Um Rogers. Rogers is number 14. Wow. Cousins. Cousins is eleven. Okay. Lamar. Lamar's in there. Lamar is seven. Okay. Um, Burrow? Burrow is not in there. Burrow is 18. Hmm. <laughs> Jimmy? No, Jimmy, Jimmy's 20. Jameis? Jameis is not. Herbert? Herbert's number eight. Okay, Herbert's in there. Carr? Carr is 13. Gino? Gino's All right, Gino is number two. Yeah, Gino's been really, really good. Goff? Goff is 16. 16? I would have thought he was higher. Yeah. Um, I know Fields is doing terrible. Yeah, yeah. And Kyler? Kyler just missed it by two slots. All right, this point, you know, I'll just I'll just read down the list okay. now and tell me tell me what surprises you. Number one, Josh Allen. Number two, Geno Smith. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Number four, Tua. Number five, Jacoby Brissett. Number six, Jalen Hurts. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Eight, Herbert. Nine, Cooper Rush. Ten, Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Okay, cut. so there's of those ten, there's only two, or maybe one. Right? Wasn't Brissett there? Where, where was Brissett last year? No, Brissett was a backup for like Miami. Backup. Played horrible in the one one game. So there's only two guys on that list that weren't worth those teams last year, and that to me speaks volumes. So continuity at the quarterback position is clearly valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's just the the weird ones that are just like way out of there that were in the you know high high last year. Joe Burrow at 18, Matt Stafford at 22. How about Russell Wilson at 26? Russell Wilson is co- is, is is between Justin Fields and Matt Ryan. That's not where you want to be. Russell Wilson's interesting because he's got you know he's in a new offense with uh, seemingly better weapons than he had in Seattle, but you know uh, he doesn't look comfortable at all. And you know there's been a lot of people critical of Russell Wilson. He hasn't played well, but it's you know I think I think if you said what is the issue with quarterbacks, we haven't seen an off season where there was this kind of quarterback movement. So I think the volatility of guys moving. You know, um, even good quarterbacks and veteran quarterbacks, if they move from from A to B, 
you know, there's new offense, new weapons, new wide receivers. There's nothing that replaces actual field reps. These guys don't have the field reps. So I think that's a big portion of what's wrong with NFL quarterbacks. And you also had the Rams win the Super Bowl after not playing anybody in the preseason. And so I think it's a copycat league. Some of the teams held back in the preseason. So September football in the NFL is kind of become now we're in October already, but September football is almost like an extend, you know, an extension of the preseason. And then you mix in all the head new head coaches, all the new offensive coordinators and all the new quarterbacks uh, in different spots, at least. And I think that's what you're pointing to. I think there's just so, been so much turnover that offensive football, defensive football is about effort and accountability. Offensive football is about precision and reps and and being cohesive. And when you change out the head coach, the play caller, or the, the signal caller, the quarterback, you're going to interrupt that that cohesion. And you're going to and it's not going to be good. And, and I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. It's also it feels like it might be the year of like it's it's an interesting year, especially, you know, this is pro Niners, but I feel like it's kind of a year where a game manager is is primed to, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, Jalen Hurts. I guess Jalen Hurts isn't a game manager anymore, but like Jalen Hurts and Jimmy G in uh, on one side and then on the other side. Uh, well, actually, maybe I'm just talking about the NFC. The NFC, it's like Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott type thing. Kirk Cousins is going to be in the mix. Jimmy G. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Stafford, if he if he picks his stuff up, um, it's just it's just a weird. Maybe it's just the NFC. I'm saying this NFC is just a it's weird with the quarterbacking, man. Well, you you know you just have some teams that don't have elite guys in the AFC. You have elite guys in the NFC. Um, you got guys like Prescott and Garoppolo and Hurts who are solid NFL quarterbacks. Beauties in the eye of the beholder, but I wouldn't think that any of those three guys would be considered elite. No, I mean seriously, if you look at this list, you it's got like Brady and Rodgers. Yeah, if you go if you go in order of just NFC quarterbacks, it's Geno at two. Then you got to go all the way down to okay, Geno at two, Hurts at six, uh, Cooper Rush at nine, Brady at ten, Cousins at eleven, Kyler at twelve, then. Daniel Jones at 15. Uh, gosh, this is just crazy. Then Jimmy. Uh, then Jimmy and Stafford. And yeah, it's just not very... It, there's no. There's nobody that's just like, oh my God. Like there's just... Unfortunately, we don't have if with a guy that's going to be able to get us over, you know, the Patrick Mahomes chiefs or the Josh Allen bills. Uh, it's just, I well, feel like maybe Aaron yeah. Rodgers, but I mean, it just, yeah. it just, you know, Rodgers has all new receivers, all new receivers. So, you know, he's leaning on Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. And, you know, there's just some, some really, really, uh, you know, he, they don't have the reps. No. So, you know, when, when you have a receiver, you got a head coach, a play caller, a quarterback, and a number one receiver who are all in the offense, and there's they've got that continuity. You can improve significantly from year one to year two. When when you interrupt those four jobs and now put in first year guys and sometimes multiple first year guys, maybe a new head coach, new play caller, new quarterback, um, and you, there's nothing that can you know there's no shortcuts. You have to it, you have to put in the field work to replicate the reps that it's that's required to be all on the same page. And that's just quarterback wide receiver. 
but there's also mental reps between the quarterback running the offense and the play caller being comfortable with what the quarterback feels comfortable running and what fits his skill set and what doesn't and what what's a good call against a certain defense. So there's just a lot of factors, but I think if anything, if there's one thing we can point to, it's just it, the impact of the negative impact I think is caused by turnover. Yeah, no, I think I think you're totally right. And what's interesting, if you think about Russell, because I think everyone was like, oh, well, you know, Brady joined the Bucks and then they won the Super Bowl and then Stafford joined the Rams and they won the Super Bowl. So watch out for Denver. But what's interesting is now we're seeing with Stafford, it's like he's so freaking locked on to Cooper Cup. It's almost creepy how into Cooper Cup he is. He just, he just only throws to Cooper Cup with the, with a dusting of Higby. And you remember all those stories before camp last year where it was like, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are, you know, they're eating breakfast together every day. They're spending every second together. So it's like they got to kind of bypass that new period. They were already so comfortable with each other. And now we're seeing this year when everything's breaking down, he doesn't trust Allen Robinson. He doesn't have that same connection. And with Brady, he wanted to bring in his guys. He was like, give me, you know, bring in Gronk, bring in, you know, uh, he's going on vacation with, uh, you know, all these guys, Godwin and Mike Evans. And uh, it just seems like maybe... Yeah, Russ doesn't quite have that one guy where when it all breaks down, he feels comfortable. And you're seeing it with Rodgers without Devontae. Yeah, and and also Russ is leaning on good receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Albert O, but they're all super young. So there's no 10-year vet who's worked with all kinds of different guys. you got young receivers um, you know, operating behind with a quarterback that's, you know, that's new to them. So I just think overall the lack of continuity at key positions is probably the reason for, you know, the fall off that we've seen so far. All right, coming up next, we are going to preview week six in the NFL from the 49er perspective. They'll be in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, to be exact taking on the Atlanta Falcons and Josh Kendall is going to join us. He is the Falcons beat writer for the athletic and we'll get a little preview of the game and the matchup ahead from Josh. All right. Welcome back. We're talking 49er football, Larry Kruger, Ryan Smith. We're joined today by the Falcons beat writer from the athletic the last couple of years. Josh Kendall is with us as we uh, look ahead to the 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, week six in the NFL. It's amazing. We're already six weeks into the year. Really Josh, is. thanks for a few minutes, and, and thanks for joining Ryan and I. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing the Falcons. How's the season gone so far for the Falcons? Well, they're two and three, which is not great. Um, they've been a, a more competitive team than they were a year ago. They've been a more interesting team than they were a year ago. This is the second year of head coach Arthur Smith and um, general manager Terry Fontenot, but you you can see some signs of progress. This was a team that a lot of people thought would be in a real strong contention for the number one overall pick. Um, I think that they've proven that they're a step ahead of that. They think that they're several steps ahead of that. So we'll have to see we'll have to see whether they're right or not. But so far, so good. I think from a realistic perspective. Uh, where would you say the strength of the team lies? I mean, I'm just looking at the depth chart. I really like um, Grady Jarrett, and I really like Taquan Graham, who I saw at play at Texas. Uh, Graham's close to 300 pounds, moves exceptionally well. Jarrett moves really well. Um, what would you say is the strength of the team at this point? 
Well, Grady is having an, an exceptional year. Um, he is a really good player, having a really good year. And Graham has been a bit of a surprise in his second year. He is also really good. The problem is they do not have any depth depth beyond that. That's pretty much what they've got on the defensive line. Dean Pease plays a 3-4 base defense. But this year they've played a ton of, you know, what what's essentially a 2-5-4 or, you know, with just two def- true defensive linemen, he walks those outside linebackers up on the edge, so it's kind of a four-man front at times. They've been doing a ton of stuff. The strength of this team, though, is its offensive line's run blocking and run game. Arthur Smith is a really creative run design guy and play caller. Um, they're one of the top teams, if not the top team, I haven't checked this week, in yards before contact on oh, wow. rush. I mean, so this offensive line, which is struggling still some in pass protection – can really run block that Arthur Smith's play designs, Cordero Patterson's when he's healthy. This is a, this is a pretty formidable run game. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Plus the addition of Mariota in the run game, right? Um, Abs- yeah, absolutely. He is uh, second. I was just looking this up. He's second in the, in, in the league among quarterbacks in third down conversion with his legs, Josh Allen being number one. And just the numbers game, just the way he changes the numbers in the run game and the way you have to account for that opens up other parts of that run game. So, yeah, he's been very valuable in that. Let's talk about the two runners. Uh, Algier, I saw at BYU, he's a bigger back and he's got some power. And Caleb Huntley runs with tremendous power. Um, I I think people are just kind of discovering Caleb Huntley. Obviously, Court Daryl Patterson is a big part of this offense, but he's not there this week. So talk to us a little bit about Algier and Huntley. Algier and Huntley are kind of Arthur Smith type backs in that they are kind of physical, mean runners with run with an attitude. Those are the guys he wants for three down backs. I tell you, the guy that you might want to, as a as a Niners fan to keep an eye on is Avery Williams, who was a dynamic punt returner at Boise State. They drafted him late late rounds two years ago, and he played cornerback for Atlanta last year. They moved him to running back this year, and you're starting to see him get comfortable back there. He's a more dynamic player than Algier or Huntley because he can do more things. He's more of a quick strike threat. We saw him, you know, a, a decent part of the package of the plan against uh, last week. Excuse me, last week against the Buccaneers. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in, if he's an even bigger part of the plan this week. Uh, it's an interesting the, offense. Oh, oh go sorry. ahead. Ron. I was going to say, uh, how's the relationship in Atlanta, you know, amongst the fans and whatnot uh, with Kyle Shanahan? Um, do you think he's going to get kind of a warm reception? Uh, you know, is there still yeah, Super yeah? Bowl? No, I, yeah. I think that they're getting over some of that. Um, okay. I do, but you know, twenty-eight to three is going to live forever here, unless they win one at some point. Twenty-eight to three is just is just going to live forever. You know, it's funny, The uh, there's a good little rivalry, I would imagine, uh, you know, brewing here between uh, Kyle Shanahan and Dean Pease. Dean Pease has been scheming up defenses for years and years, did it with Baltimore for years. Uh, he's as respected as they come, and, uh, and obviously Shanahan is a, is a respected offensive mind. Um, as far as um, as far as the, the, the back end of that defense for – uh, for the Falcons. So there's some good looking young players there. AJ Terrell was a terrific player at Clemson. I love Richie Grant in the draft. Uh, Bay Area football fans know Jalen Hawkins from his days at Cal. The veteran Casey Ward is there. Um, to me, if there's some interesting, if you look at the talent, you think, man, there's some interesting young players. It's in that secondary. 
Yeah, A.J. Terrell is, is having a down year. As, big, as good as he was last year, teams have not hesitated to go at him this year. That's been really interesting and something we need to keep an eye on. But he is a, he is a good player. Casey Hayward has helped. Um, Casey Hayward has helped on the on the other side uh, in place of, in place of Fabian Monroe. Richie Grant is the guy who has really made strides this year. Number 40, 40 number forty two pick two years ago struggled some as a rookie because they miscat they they had to play him at nickel some out of necessity. Didn't do great there and was a rookie. Really settled in at safety this year and playing really well. Um. How about Drake London? I mean, we, you know, obviously, uh, you know, West Coast people know Drake London from his time at SC. He's a big receiver, you know, 6'4", close to 215, 220 pounds, and just tremendous ball skills. How I know I've seen some highlights already. He seems like he's had a very quick adaptation to the NFL. Um, what do you think? What's your impressions of London? Really good. You know, looks like he belongs. Really smooth, very natural catcher of the football. There were some questions about his top end speed and whether he could separate at this level. He can. He, you know, he he has been everything that they wanted, and he looked better as you would imagine when Kyle Pitts was on the field weeks. You know, one, two, three, four. Kyle Pitts wasn't on the field last week. Drake got some more attention. We didn't see him as big a part of the big a part of the plan, or at least as big a part of the results. So, you know, I think. We expect Kyle Pitts to play this week. We don't know for sure. Um, we expect him to play. If he is, that helps Drake London a ton. Two guys I got to get your thoughts on. I really enjoyed watching in the draft process. D'Angelo Malone played for the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. I think he wears 51. And then the Penn State kid, Arnold uh, Ebiketti. Um, Both these guys just come flying off the edge. You mentioned, you know, kind of a 2-5 two, a two front. Um, how are they utilizing – how's Pease utilizing those two guys? Both those guys can come flying off the edge. Neither one of them is a full-time starter yet. Ebiketti's close. He's basically their pass, their passing downs outside linebacker. Adi Ogundeji is the run is the running downs outside linebacker at that spot. D'Angelo Malone kind of goes back and forth between the inactive and the active lists on Sundays, but he's shown some flashes, which is what they expected. They expected his development arc to be a little bit longer than Ebiketti's. Ebiketti's been a, been a contributor from Jump Street. He had his first career sack in the first game of the year and continues to – so his snap count keeps inching up. Uh, Desmond Ritter and Mariota, that, that was deemed as a battle in camp. How, you know, what did Ritter look like in the preseason? How close was Ritter to landing that gig? I don't think very close. They like Ritter, but he is a rookie. Arthur Smith runs a big package that is fairly complex. He uh, Marcus Mariota's numbers are not great this year, but they have really lauded his ability to get them in and out of the right positions, to, to get to keep them out of negative plays, to get them in the right looks, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that they like Desmond Ritter's long-term plan, and I think that Desmond Ritter probably has to play this year just to see what you've got prior to the 2023 draft. I don't think we're right up against that time, though. I think that's further down the road this season. Um, so our expectations in, down in Atlanta, are, are they playoffs right now? Because I know, I mean, it seems like division's wide open. The NFC is not – I can't remember it being this week and, uh, you know, the quarterback play being this down. And I just took a look at uh, Atlanta's schedule and it's pretty, pretty easy down the stretch. I think you have two, two teams down the stretch that uh, actually have a winning record so far. Yeah. 
depends on whose expectations you're talking about. The fans still are not, you know, they're still not there. They still don't, you know, that, that, you know, 10,000 times bitten, 10,001 times shy or whatever, sure. whatever the equivalent <laughs> would be. So they're not thinking this thing's a playoff team. Internally, I think they think they've got a shot. Absolutely. Um, you've got, you know, if you, if you get to nine and eight in, in the NFC, you've got a shot. Can this team win seven more games? Yes, it could. It's still, you know, Let's see, though. I, I, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. They've still got to prove it. If we're walking through the streets of Atlanta, Josh, um, where do the Falcons sit compared to like Georgia football? Or uh, you know, I'm the Bra- I've just watched the Braves, yeah. you know, go yesterday in the playoffs. Obviously, uh, you know that's that's a central focus, and I think Travis Schlenk's a buddy of ours from here in the Bay Area. I love what he's doing with the Hawks. I know they had a disappointing year, but I think they're a team on the rise in the NBA. But in that market where – and pro football is huge everywhere. Right. But college football, to be in Atlanta, it's like I can remember how big the Vince Dooley show was, you know, and I can remember yeah. how many Dogs fans I ran into when I was down there. Where do the Falcons sit in the pecking order among the sports fans there? This, this is definitely a Georgia Bulldog town, first and foremost. Braves are a clear second, and those two teams exist on a plane kind of up here above everybody mm-hmm. else. And then the Falcons and Hawks, based on their success, kind of jockey for, for third place. The Hawks probably have it right now because they, they are on a little, bit of a little bit of a run from by their standards. The Falcons, because, as you mentioned, this is the NFL, can make up ground quickly if they win, but they've got to win first. My last question is uh, about Matt Ryan. Obviously, I'm sure you know you covered him for a long time. Um, is there kind of a feeling now uh, in the building, like, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe some of the struggles were actually on Matt Ryan. Now that you see him in this Colts offense, and he's kind of just you know getting the crap beat out of him, not playing very well. Yeah, you you wonder about that. I thought that the typical Falcons life, it would Matt Ryan would go to Indianapolis, they'd be great. <laughs> You know, Falcons would suck and everybody would say, well, of course, you know, that's just how life works. But he has not been good, um, <clears throat> not all on him, just like it was not on him here, but he's part of it. And the Falcons, meanwhile, have gotten better offensively, which I didn't I didn't think they necessarily would, just going from a 14-year guy who's been an MVP in this league. So, I, um, you know, I, I'm surprised. I'm not happy about it, but um, – you know, I, I, there's no Schnadenfreude, I don't think. I think people here mostly rooted rooted for Matt Ryan. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Just like an interesting data point. Yeah. Hey, last one uh, for you. We appreciate your time, Josh. You mentioned the O-line, you know, that it's like it's kind of a run-first look, and they're trying to pound the run, and, and I think that's probably a good game plan this week, to be honest, against this 49er defensive front, but we don't know the status of Nick Bosa. But when you're looking at that line, like I know Drew Dahlman from doing the Stanford pregame show for years. His daddy played in, for the Niners, and he's a solid – he's a tough kid and a smart kid at center. Uh, Caleb McGarry, I remember from the University of Washington. Lindstrom was a high pick. I mean, who is the strength of that Falcon offensive line? If you said – you know, if you ranked their top two linemen of that five, that group of five, who who are the guys who really are the stalwarts on that O-line? It's Chris Lindstrom – Chris Lindstrom at right guard is their best offensive lineman, and it's you know he's a step ahead of everybody else. Jake Matthews, who struggled some against the Bucks and a complicated defense against the Bucks at left tackle, he's number two, and then everybody else is jockeying just to you know just to sort of keep making steady progress. 
Good stuff. Josh, if people want to check you out, where, where can they follow you on social media? And, and what are you writing going into this game? Well, we're writing about Marcus Mariota this week. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. I'm at Josh the Athletic on Twitter. Holler if you got any questions. I appreciate Josh, y'all thanks. having me. Thank, Thank you for your so time. Much. Have a great rest of your day.